good to be back home and uh, good to see each of you. Appreciate everybody who came out last night and, and listened to uh, the talk about Brazil and the trip. I put some outlines of what I said on the back, including information on how to get a hold of Greg Gravett and encourage him. I think Carl and Patricia will be leaving there on Tuesday, so after that I think he'd probably appreciate encouragement and a phone call now and then from, from brethren here. And if you need some help on how to do that beyond what I wrote down there, you can ask me. Um, in Judges chapter 18, we see the follow-up, really, to something that happened in chapter 17. In Judges chapter 17, and it's been a while, um, Micah stole some money from his mother, and then when she pronounced a curse on the one who stole the money, he gave it back. His mother then took part of that money uh, to give to Micah so that he could set up an idol center so that he would be blessed. <laughs> and uh, he sets up at first his own son as priest, and then a wandering Levite comes along and accepts his job proposal, and he becomes the priest. And now we've got a very nicely furnished and nicely staffed uh, idol uh, worship place uh, for Micah and his family. The, perhaps the key verse in chapter 17 was 17.6. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And uh, as you look at these last several chapters in Judges, it's clear nobody's doing what's right in the Lord's eyes. Everybody's following their own feelings, and it ends up in some just really horrifying situations. And so we begin in uh, Judges chapter 18. In those days there was no king of Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for themselves to live in. For until that day an inheritance had not been allotted to them as a possession among the tribes of Israel. So the sons of Dan sent, sent from their family five men out from the, of their whole number, valiant men from Zorah and Eshtal, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said to them, Go search the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. When they were near the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young man, the Levite, and they turned aside there and said to him, who brought you here, and what are you doing in this place, and what do you have here? And he said to them, Thus and so has Micah done to me, and he has hired me, and I have become his priest. And they said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether our way on which we are going will be prosperous. And the priest said to them, Go in peace, your way in which you are going has the Lord's approval. Then the five men departed and came to Laish, and saw the people who were in it living in security after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure, for there was no ruler humiliating them for anything in the land. And they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. When they came back to their brothers at Zorah and Eshtal, their brothers said to them, What do you report? And they said, Arise, and let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good, and will you sit still? Do not delay to go to enter to possess the land. When you enter, you shall come to a secure people with a precious, spacious land, for God has given it into your hand, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. We start out here with the problem of the tribe of Dan. They don't have an inheritance. Now, God had divided up the land among all the different tribes in the book of Joshua. 
And he gave every tribe the job of driving out the inhabitants of Canaan out of the land. But you remember in Judges chapter 1, they didn't do a very good job of that. A lot of the tribes did not drive all the people out. Some of them let the people stay there, but the tribe of Dan was the worst. In Judges chapter 1 and verse 34, then the Amorites forced the sons of Dan into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the valley. The Danites were being ordered around by the Amorite nation in the land. They were not allowed to come into their promised land, their possession that God had given them, because they knuckled under to Amorite dominion. Judges chapter 2 and verse 2. As for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore I also said, God speaking, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. When the people followed after the idols of the land, God said, well, I'm not going to drive them out then. I'm going to make them, allow them to stay in this land with you because you guys didn't obey my voice. In Judges chapter 2 and verse 20, so the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not listened to my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did or not. So the Lord allowed those nations to remain, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. The same idea. Because they didn't obey God, God didn't drive the nations out. And so here we've got the tribe of Dan. They don't have a place to live. And so they send out five men to spy out another place for them to live. Now this is them, the Danites, solving their problem in their own way. Everybody is doing what's right in his own sight. What they should have done was to confess their sin of not obeying God and of worshiping idols and to have asked God to come back to them and bless them and enable them to drive out those inhabitants out of the inheritance God gave them. But no, they send out spies to find a new inheritance for them. It's interesting that the way that the text is written reminds us so much of Joshua chapter 2 when Joshua sent the spies out. In Joshua 2, 1, you might just look as I read that, look at Judges 18, 2, and just see the similarities. Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. It's about the same thing. It's like they were going to the land for the first time and sending out spies to find out a place for them. Well, guess what? The spies found this one city, this city of Laish, and um, it seemed perfect. They, they had already come to Micah's house, and they'd spent the night there, and they'd asked Micah's priest what God's will was. And Micah's priest said, Oh, sure, God will bless you and prosper you. God will be with you in this trip. 
Now, Micah's priest didn't know a thing about what God wanted. He wasn't concerned about what God had wanted in his own life, but he gave the stamp of approval. Oh, yes, it'll be okay. So they come to Laish, and what do they find? Well, they find a city that's going to be pretty easy for them to take because they're a peace-loving people, and they're a long ways away from Sidon, the capital city of their country, and it's a prosperous land. And they think, this is perfect. We can just go in and we can take this city for ourselves and we won't have to fight for the land God wanted us to have. And so they go back to their fellow Danites. And interestingly, in verse 10, they say, for God has given it into your hand. They think that God wanted them to take this city. After all, Micah's priest said that it would be okay with God. And after all, it looked like it's going to be easy to take. You know, there's a lot of times when we think that whatever's easiest, that must be what God wants us to do. Because after all, we don't want to do something hard. And after all, it looks prosperous. It looks like we're going to do pretty well there. It must be God's will. And so that's what they tell their fellow tribesmen. It's awfully easy to rationalize our own selfish desires, thinking that, well, if God gives us the chance to fulfill what we want, it must be God's will. And so that's where they're at. Now look at verse 11, and let's see what happens. Then from the family of the Danites, from Zorah and from Eshtel, 600 men armed with weapons of war sent out. And they went up and camped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore they called that place Mayanedan to this day. Behold, it's west of Kiriath-Jerim. And they passed from there to the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who went to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to their kinsmen, do you know that there are in these houses an ephod and household idols and a graven image and a molten image? Now, therefore, consider what you should do. And they turned aside there and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, to the house of Micah and asked him of his welfare. And the 600 men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the sons of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Now the five men who went to spy out the land went up and entered there and took the graven image and the ephod and the household idols and the molten image while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with the 600 men armed with the weapons of war. And when these went into Micah's house and took the graven image, the ephod, the household idols and the molten image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be silent. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man or to be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod and the household idols and the graven image and went among the people. Now you see, the whole Danite tribe with 600 armed men are migrating up to the city of Laish. And on their way, they stop by Micah's house. And the five spies say, hey, listen, there's a great inventory of religious things there in Micah's house. He's got a well-stocked sanctuary that, that we ran across on our visit up to Laish. And we could just go in and take that stuff and we'd have our own idols ready-made. And so that's what they do. They go in to Micah's worship center and they just grab 
the idols and the images and all the things that are there. And uh, they don't stop to think about the fact that idols who can't even keep themselves from being stolen are probably not going to do them much good either. And uh, the Levite, the priest here, well, he said, what are you doing? They were robbing all of his idols out of his temple that he was, he was the, in charge of. And they thought about the fact that uh, he'd already told them that, the lead, that, that, that Micah had hired him. And so they said, listen, be quiet. We're going to make you a better offer. We're going to offer you a promotion that you can't refuse. Because right here, you're only one family's priest, one man's priest. But listen, we'll make you priest over our whole tribe. That'll be a whole lot better. He said, that sounds good to me. And he helps him rob the stuff so that he can go with them and be, be their priest. It's an obvious promotion. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't turn back opportunity when it knocks. Uh, I suppose he, he suddenly received the call to go shepherd a larger flock or something like that. It's so interesting how just totally ridiculous all of this is. You know... <laughs> The, the Danite tribe is breaking the command to not have any idols, any other gods before them, by breaking the command not to steal. And they get this priest who is obviously man, a man with no character. He's willing to steal the idols himself. He's willing just to go and become the priest for whichever group offers him the most money. There's nothing spiritual in any of this. Well, look at what happens in verse 21. Then they turned and departed and put the little ones and the livestock and the valuables in front of them. When they'd gone some distance from the house of Micah, the men who were in the house near Micah's house assembled and overtook the sons of Dan. And they cried to the sons of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter with you that you've assembled together? And he said, Micah said, You've taken away my gods which I made and the priest and have gone away and what do I have besides? So how can you say to me, what's the matter with you? And the sons of Dan said to him, do not let your voice be heard among us lest fierce men fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household. So the sons of Dan went on their way and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. You kind of have to feel sorry for poor Micah here. He comes out chasing after this tribe that stole his idols and his priest, and he says, well, well, you stole the gods I made. That sort of tells you something about those gods, doesn't it? He recognizes they're just the gods he made, but he says, it's all I've got. I don't have anything else, which illustrates the emptiness of worshiping idols. There is really nothing else. And so he's out to save his God. But these, this tribe is too strong for him. And so this former thief, Micah, is the victim of a great burglary. And he loses his whole place of worship, his images, and his priest. What a mess. And so in verse 27... Then they took what Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and came to Laish to a people quiet and secure and struck them with the edge of the sword 
and they burned the city with fire. And there was no one to deliver them because it was far from Sidon and they had no dealings with anyone and it was in the valley which is near Beth Rehob and they rebuilt the city and lived in it. And they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan, their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. And the sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was at Shiloh. So they go up and they conquer this city. You know, isn't this the way bullies are? They find a city that's really weak, and doesn't have anybody to help them, and they beat up on that city. They don't try to fight off the Amorites who are strong. You take any weak person, and if they find somebody weaker, they'll, they'll take it out on them. Well, that's the Danite tribe. They finally find a city that's weak enough that they can conquer it, and they do. And they destroy it and burn the city with fire. They finally you know, conquer their inheritance, this city. And they set up this new center of worship. And uh, they've got their own idols now, and their own priest. I'll tell you, the Danites, if, if, if possible, are probably the worst tribe in all of Israel's history. If you remember, later on, when Jeroboam set up the golden calves to worship, remember where he set them up? At Dan and Bethel, right up here in this former city of Laish. I think that was a pretty appropriate place for him to choose for that. It had already for, for generations been a major idolatrous worship center. Why not put the golden calf there? And do you know that when we come to the listing of the 144,000 in Revelation 7, that the one tribe not listed was the tribe of Dan? And I suspect the events in this chapter have something to do with that. Dan was just a mess. But what I want to do uh, for a few moments is suggest two lessons for us out of this story. And uh, the first one I talked about a little bit in chapter 17, but I think it's so obvious here we need to talk about it again. And that is that we need to avoid professionalism in preaching. It is so obvious that Jonathan, the name of this priest, simply wanted his own personal gain. He was ambitious. He viewed priesthood as a career thing. And he was trying to make career moves and advance. And when somebody came along with a better offer, he was more than willing to take them up on that. It's okay for a person to devote their life to preaching and teaching the gospel. In 3 John chapter, uh, 3 John, only got one chapter, but verse 7, John told Gaius about some brethren who'd gone out, and he says you need to, you need to support them. He says in verse 7, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, therefore we ought to support such men, that we may be fellow workers with the truth. There were some men who'd gone out to preach and teach, and John told Gaius support them. They've gone out for the sake of the name, for the sake of Christ, and it's appropriate that they do that. But they are not to do that in this professional preacher mentality. If somebody goes out for the sake of the name 
to, to spread the gospel. How do they decide where to go and what to do? Well, it ought not to be on the basis of who pays the most and where can they get the most benefits and what can they do that's going to uh, uh, make them popular with the people who will, will help them out the most. That ought not to be the mentality that we do that in. I think I may have mentioned last time the phone call I got several years ago from a church in another state asking me whether or not I'd be interested in moving there. And I told them that I wasn't interested, and uh, this elder, he said, continued on the phone talking to me for a while. He said, well, maybe I'd know somebody who'd be interested. And he started telling me about the congregation. They had about 150 members, and they had three elders, and they had this and that and the other. And he said, and by the way, I believe we probably pay about the highest salary of any church among brethren. Well, if I had ever had an interest in going there, that nixed that. Can you imagine that brethren would try to offer that as an inducement to get somebody to want to go there? That's exactly the way the Danites were with Micah. Or rather with Jonathan, Micah's priest. They're like, hey, we can, we can give you a better offer. You're going to get a lot more being priest to a whole tribe than you would be one man's priest. Well, when you start bargaining for priests on the basis of who can have the most prestige and who can, get, who can pay the most, you're going to get the kind of priest you deserve. A guy who's only in it for the career, who has no spirituality about him at all. That kind of mentality, the mentality of Micah and Jonathan and the Danites, that look at priesthood, or today, look at preaching or, or being an elder or whatever kind of service in the kingdom of God, who look at it as a professional career kind of thing where money talks, it's the wrong concept, it's the wrong mentality. So that's the first lesson. The second lesson is, trying to determine God's will can be a really difficult thing if we don't have our heart in the right place. These Danites convinced themselves that moving up to Laish and destroying it was the Lord's will. After all, they found a priest that inquired of the Lord for them and that said it was the Lord's will. And after all, everything seemed to work out just right. It was an easy city to conquer. It was prosperous. It was far away from Sidon. It was a great place to live. And after all, they had success when they did it, didn't they? That should teach us something about trying to determine what the Lord's will is. It's awfully easy for us to decide what we want the Lord's will to be. What we want the Lord's will to be. And therefore, we, we come up with rationalizations that cause us to believe that that must be the way the Lord's will is. We can always find some religious person who will tell us, oh yes, that's what the Lord wants you to do. I don't care what it is we're trying to rationalize. Somebody's going to come along and going to say, Oh, yes, I'm a man of God, and certainly that's what God wants. That doesn't mean a thing. What we need to find is the book, chapter, and verse. 
that tells us that that's what God's will is. And we can certainly find things that seem to work out right that aren't God's will. We've got to be really careful about that because people are all, all the time using circumstances to try to determine what God's will is. Well, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened. It just seems like God's just making it easy that God's just really wanting me to go this way. After all, you know, I'm, uh, who knows, I, 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 met this, I met this guy, I met this gal, and yes, I know that, that, that they're immoral, or I know that they don't have a right to marry, or I know that, but you know, the Lord just worked this out so well, I mean, the Lord just arranged the meeting, and the Lord just made the chemistry right between us, and, and, and it, uh, well, the Lord just made me feel so happy when I was with them, and it's just got to be the Lord's will. Well, you know, just because things are working out well, the devil would like for things to work out pretty well for us when we're doing his will, too. It's no success is no sign of God's approval. There are some times, for a limited period of time at least, that wicked people have success. The Danites had success in conquering Laish. Didn't mean that was what the Lord's will was. So it's very easy for us to get confused about what the Lord's will is because we've got a priest who says it's okay, or because it works out well, or because it's successful, or because it looks like everything is just working out in that direction. That doesn't mean it's the Lord's will. We've got to go back to the book, to the words of the Lord, to find out what the Lord's will is. It was clear from Joshua that the Lord's will was that the Danites conquer the Amorites in the land God gave them. But they didn't do that. And they decided, well, no, it's the Lord's will that we go up here to Laish and conquer that. And as a result, the tribe of Dan was actually written off in the New Testament as being a tribe unworthy of God's people. So the two lessons, we need to avoid professionalism in preaching, and we need to be careful about determining the Lord's will. We can easily be deceived by things that look like they're working out well, but are not actually in accordance with what God has said. The Lord's will for you this morning is that you come to him and, and submit to him if you're not a Christian. And we encourage you to do that while we stand and sing.